So you may know Jared Hudson when he ran for office for Jefferson County Sheriff, but do you know all the things that he's a part of and all the things that he's done? If not, then you need to stay tuned to this episode of Alabama Unfiltered with Jared Hudson. It is amazing. You don't want to miss it. We're literally debating that it's bad that people get to say what they think. Can you imagine? I'm reading Psalm 144 and it says, He trains my hands for war. We are on the brink of total destruction of America as we know it. Let your rebel flag fly. Welcome into this week's edition of Alabama Unfiltered. I am Scott Beeson. Allison Sinclair is with me again, and Amy Beth Shaver is here. What? Like you're you are, so disappointed. You, you are here She's again. She's here again. Well, I'm glad you're here. Are you? It's, you're very nice. It's very nice to see you. Well, let's see. Keep talking. We'll see we'll how nice it working. is. Keep on working. Jared Hudson has, for some reason, decided to visit with us again, but he is here uh, to tell us a little bit about all the things that he is doing now. He's involved in some anti-human trafficking stuff, uh, those kinds of things. And if you don't think those things happen right here in Alabama, you probably need to watch the program. Jared, welcome to the program. Hey, thanks and, for having uh, me again. Oh, absolutely. Well, let's kind of get people back up to speed, who you are, what you do, those kinds of things. Just uh, tell us a little bit. Yeah, so in short, y'all, most people remember me from uh, running for sheriff in Jefferson County, right? That's where a lot of people got to know me, and I still see people all the time like, Hey, you're that guy that run for sheriff. Yeah, did you, you know? win? Yeah, did you win? Well. Yeah, I know you won. <laughs> I everybody, for you. everybody that I met <laughs> I actually did vote for me, I, I probably won. Right. Yeah, right. Oh, so, absolutely. That's it. I mean, I've not met a single person that that you know has said uh, I didn't vote for him. I'm talking about at the airport, on the airplane, of uh, in Lowe's. It doesn't matter where you go. Somebody will say. So that's why I'm growing my hair back out. It's hard to do undercover work and. You, your face was plastered all over billboards for the last six months. So um, trying to go back to what I'm doing. So at the end of the campaign, you know, somebody said, yeah, you got a, you got a bright career in politics. I'm like, no, no, I don't. Right. Unless God, unless That's God calls me. That's the two things they always say. I voted for you and oh, next time you. Man, next time oh, you get yeah. in line. No, unless God really comes going. out of the clouds, I have a Paul moment, you know, mm-hmm. it's, I, I'm going back to what I'm doing. And somebody asked, they said, well, what are you going to do? I said, it's kind of like Peter when when Jesus died, you know, and he's he's in the grave, and they said, Peter, what are you going to do? He said, I'm going fishing. Right. He went right back to what he was doing. And so that's kind of what I've done. This isn't uh, anything new. This is what I was doing beforehand, uh, training for military and law enforcement, and then doing operations uh, stateside and uh, outside the continental U.S., which is known as O'Connor. So um, I just went back to the normal work. But uh, it's kind of a soft opener because everybody likes to hear a SEAL story and a training mm-hmm. story. We talked about this a little bit. Because um, you were a SEAL. Right? I was a SEAL, yeah. So I was a SEAL. I was a sniper. I was a, a, a sniper instructor. I got med retired out, went through that process, of, which is a whole other story. But uh, And I still teach for the SEAL teams now. So I still, I'm still i still tied to NSW. I still teach pistol carbine, CQB, all that. Mm-hmm. So have um, no clue what that means. Close uh, quarter. Like, shooting and, shooting and uh, yeah, CQB's shooting. close quarter battle or CQC, close quarters oh, combat. How'd you know so, that? I'm a dude. Yeah, he's a dude. Oh, I thought I was so one, but I'm not. <laughs> Never mind. Yeah, it's just I'm like out clearing. Of the chat group. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I'm still tied to the teams in that way, still help instruct, and uh, but obviously very, very rooted in uh, an NSW background, Naval Special Warfare background. Even though my career was relatively short compared to a lot of my buddies, you know, 25, 30 year careers, right. um, <clears throat> still tied with them. So with that being said, uh, I'll tell a Bud story. Team guys, that's a seal. It'd be team guys. They hate Bud stories because it's like, oh, we do not have any war stories. You don't have any real stories. Because that's you know, the training part. That's right? training. Basic underwater demolition seal Buds is the training portion. Okay. 
And it's the hardest military training in the world. Most people have probably seen this 234 videos. The It's called Class 234. And they actually did it on Discovery Channel where they filmed them going through training. So you can look up <laughs> some of the stuff they did. Go back and, and watch it. Um, yeah, you go back Is and watch it. Is that where they make you like, lay in the water? Yeah, you lay in the water. Beach, yeah, you get like the, logs, the, dead, like the logs, all that stuff. Okay, yeah. I've seen that. So with that being said, uh, I'm in Buds. We're in... Uh, I was in a place what's called brown shirt rollback land. So I got injured after my hell week and I rolled back to heal to wait for the next class. And when you're a brown shirt rollback, that means you've completed hell week, but you're waiting for another class so you can catch up. So they have a couple couple points to where if you get rolled, which means you're they drop you out of the class for an injury or for whatever, mm-hmm. you don't go all the way back to the beginning. You start where you left off. So Okay, if, good. I was yeah. about to ask if you Well, if you get again. so Hell Week's when I went through, they've changed the pipeline a little bit now, but Hell Week was the the Really would have been the fifth week because you have two weeks of indoc, but it was the third week into first phase. So everybody thinks, okay. oh, you know what hell week you're done. No, you've you've got you know eight more months of just misery and torture left. So uh, guys go through something called the post hell week blues, where it's like you think you've accomplished something and then you realize you haven't accomplished anything, right? So that's where I was, and I was rolled for for an injury, but I didn't have to do hell week again, mm-hmm. right? Now if you got rolled before hell week, you had to do all those five oh, weeks all the way up to hell week over again, right? So you had to, so you've got guys that will do that, or if you quit or dropped out, you know you don't get to pick up where you left off. When you make it through hell week, that's a that's a staple. So you okay. stop right there, and that's where I was. You're working classes as a, as a brown shirt rollback. You're helping the instructors that are running guys through. You're helping them with classes. So. Uh, there was a first phase class going through, and we have what's called um, it's like we'd be like a foreign exchange student, right? So you got a foreigner who would would come over and go through buds because buds being the hardest basic underwater demolition seal being the hardest military train in the world, they let them go through uh, the first three phases of our training to graduate buds because that that carries a lot of weight in a foreign country. This guy graduated buds, and we would have. Okay. Uh, Egyptians. We had some Egyptians in our in some of our classes. We had uh, rock seals, which Republic of Korea. So these are seals in the Republic of Korea. They uh-huh. would send them to go through buds. Those dudes were harder than woodpecker lips. I'm talking. Those dudes really? were flipping tough. <laughs> really, <laughs> those were tough dudes. I've never heard that. Chief Rue, Chief Rue was uh, one of the ones that came over. That dude was he was tough man. But uh, uh, so the rock seals would come through. Um, Jordanians and and this one guy was from one of the stands. I want to say. Uh, Kazakhstan, but that's not right. Well, we don't I know, know it's not those yeah. so just make one up. Yeah, it's Kyrgyz- one of those, Kyrgyzstan? right? Right. I don't know. Kyrgyzstan. Kyrgyzstan. I was going with Kyrgyzstan. Well, it, 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 it wasn't Kyrgyzstan, so I know it wasn't Kyrgyzstan. Pakistan? I want to say no, it wasn't Pakistan. I want to say Afghanistan. No, no, no. I want to say Kazakhstan, <laughs> but see, the only reason I think of that is because Borat, right? That's yes. where he's yes. from on Borat, <laughs> and that's not right. It's just that's the first one that pops mind. But either way, this guy's name—I can't remember his name—but everybody called him Eldar. Eldar was his first name. So when you show up to Bud's, you've got they give you a stencil with your last name, and you you take this little paint pen and you stencil all your stuff with your name. So like Hudson on all my stuff, on my t-shirts, front and back, all this stuff. Well, this guy shows up, he gets a stencil that says Eldar, okay, to show you the, the lack of ability to communicate here. Mm-hmm. He gets one that says Eldar, and he's got Eldar on all his stuff, E-L-D-A-R, Eldar. Okay. <laughs> He has to go to medical and nobody can figure out who he is in medical, right? They're like looking for his medical record. They're looking through this stuff and they're like, we can't find he's and, and he just keeps over and over saying, they they say give name. I say Eldar, Eldar my name, Eldar my name. That's, right. that's what he could, he's just over and over. Like right. there was a miscommunication uh, 
or a misunderstanding between English to whatever he right. normally spoke. But he spoke very broken English, but we finally figure out it's some ridiculously long name. <laughs> right, they would have wrapped around the shirt. Yeah, that's so, so <laughs> ridiculously like But this what he did when he showed up, he said, hey, you know, uh, what's your name? Is he smitten stuff? Whoever it was that got him a stencil was like, yeah, no, this is ridiculous. What's your name? Eldar? So they did Eldar. So now he's got his first name on all this stuff. So that's where this, so that's where we initially have an experience with this guy. Uh, He, what they will do a lot of times with foreigners is they'll push them through. Like they won't let them quit. They don't make them perform because in this guy's case, in his country, he would have been basically an indentured servant to the government if he didn't make it through because they bring great shame on their government. So, I mean, it's, it's a different level of stuff. Right. And this is what the instructors are telling us going through. And then after becoming a SEAL and, and working some of this stuff on my own, I, I see the difference in, you know, th- th- there's a there's a big misunderstanding of the hardest military training in the world, right? These mm-hmm. these leaders of these countries send their guys to go through this, and they don't have a clue what they're getting into, right? right? It's mm-hmm. just torture for six months of your life. Um, so with that being said, he's he's going through training. And I'll try to wrap the story up with this. We're, we're, uh, it, we're working their hell week. And at one point in Hell Week, they put you in the pool, the deep end of the pool, and, and the pool is set up to be able to dive in. And it's got these ledges, like I'm sitting here. So when you sit, you're sitting in about chest deep water. Mm-hmm. And that's so you can sit down and get your, your dive gear on and everything, and then you'll do your dive to check your gear, mm-hmm. check your mouth, all that stuff, right? So you can sit on the ledge, and then the deep end's here, and I, the pool's 15 foot deep, nine foot deep, and then the shallow end where it's, you know, whatever, four foot, three foot, whatever it is. And it's kind of steps like that. So they got all these students in the, remember, I'm in brown shirt rollback, so I'm helping the instructors work this hell week. You got all the students in the deep end of the pool, the 15 foot in, and you're treading with your hands out of the water. You just tread and tread and tread and tread. They'll make you do it for, you know, whatever amount of time they choose to. It doesn't really matter. You know, you got, and if your hands hit the water, they scream at you, spray a hose at you, hit you with a paddle, whatever it is, you know, and get your hands out of the water. And so, this was bare feet, no, no. Yeah, fins. no fins, no fins. This is so. I'm these guys trying. were at this time. These guys <laughs> yeah, were in their. Like, I'm done. They're in their camis, so you're in your right. regular uniform. It's not like you're in your UDT trunks or you know in there with nothing. You, you, you you're, you're weighted down. Weight. Yeah, you're mm-hmm. lots of weight. So I mean, it's difficult, you know. And uh, I believe they might have even been wearing boots at the time, trying to do right. it with boots and stuff. So uh, that being said, however it was going down, Eldar is sitting there with his hands out, and you could see that. He's not trying really hard, and his joker's staying afloat. Right. That joker had his foot over on the – his foot was over on that ledge. He was over near the ledge. <laughs> Smart guy. And a, an instructor said, well, and guys would always try – we'd always say, if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying, right? Right. Guys would always try to sneak and cheat, you know, to, to make it easier. Right. Because I'd be honest, everybody says, oh, you know, cheaters never win, winners never cheat. No. Winners always <laughs> cheat when it comes to suffering. <laughs> to wars, yeah, I'm telling you right now, you win however you can. Right, right. right. It's not that we love winning, it's that we hate losing, that sort right. of thing. So he has uh, got his foot on a ledge over there, and this instructor noticed it. I think his instructor Baldwin was a guy's last name. But anyway, he comes over with that bullhorn right to the screen, and he says, and puts it right in his ear and says, Eldar, you know, and you hear it, Keogh says, get your foot off the ledge. And Eldor's got his foot, you know, he's got his foot on the ledge. He's look, he looks up and he says, ah, but it is very difficult to swim without foot on ledge. <laughs> so, um, you know, so for, the, for that guy, that was, which 
what do you say to that? You know, this right. instructor, he, he can't laugh. He has to put his thing down, turn around, and walk off, and laugh, you know, walk off and laugh because oh, that's, uh, that's the point. You know, right. that's that's the point. So Eldar winds up getting pushed through. He at least got pushed through Hell Week, and they sent him home on medical and said, "Hey, you can't make it through here medically." But Eldar's country told him he was when we figured out what was going on. He's going to, in his mind, an underwater welding school in a language school. So he spoke a little <gasps> bit of English. He said, and, and we asked what? him, Eldar, do you want to be here? And Buzz, he says, he goes, uh, they send me to underwater welding and language school. Language school and and and, and dive. I dive. He was a diver, I guess, right. in his country, but he was going to learn how to uh-huh. weld underwater as part of it. That's what they told him. And when we explained to him what, what, what we were doing, he said, no, no, no! Special Forces, very crazy men. That's not Eldar. That's not Eldar. <laughs> but, I needed to do a little did. more research yeah. on that. Wow. He did, but yeah, that was that was uh, that was a pretty pretty fun, funny experience. But yeah, it is very difficult to swim that foot on ledge. <laughs> so, little known story. I don't think mm-hmm. I've ever because I, I kind of block it out. But Jared, not you, Jared, my husband, Jared, always wanted to go into the military, but he had really bad eyesight and a bad knee and all that kind of stuff. So. Like 10 years ago, he decides to go out to San Diego to go through the like fake hell week that they put that the seals put on. Yeah. What mm-hmm. is well, they'll have guys that get out and they'll do a buzz experience. So, yeah. you know, they got a couple of guys over there that they'll guys will pay money and business owners will do it to build camaraderie within their mm-hmm. team and all that. And that's what it is. Well, it's a, it was it's an a experience, of, a buzz experience. It's a buzz experience. And but there's a lot of, I guess, law enforcement, they do, firefighters yep. or seals that are going to I don't know what it is. But anyway, guys so, who are going to try to go be a seal. Yes, yeah, there's yes. all that. Yep. So Jared decides that he's going to go do this and he really? pays money to <laughs> go do awesome. this. And he gets in and he gets out there and um, he made it through. He almost died a few times, passed out waking up on the beach with an IV kind of thing. Um, but he made it pretty far. But when you're talking about stencils, his stencil was grandpa. <laughs> that was his name. And it wasn't even that. I mean, we were like early 30s, I guess. Yeah, but but I compared get, to compared, everybody else. He was like, I got like a 19-year-old firefighter next to me. And so I guess so he was That's grandpa. That's funny. Yeah, yeah. I love that. But he was like, okay, maybe I'm glad I didn't go. It was rough. Oh, it yeah. was just a sample. And it was just the fake one. It's run by, you know, like yeah. it's I know, they're trying it's to make it as real fake. as possible. Yeah. yeah, I'd say the the worst thing is hypothermia. That's that's probably the worst. Like you'll do anything not to be cold anymore. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's uh and you you know, you hold your breath till you pass out. That's that sort of stuff. And it's not like somebody's holding you underwater making you pass out. It's like if you come to the top, you're going home. <laughs> you know, so you yeah. go under oh, and swim word. until you pass out. So um, and then they pull you out, right? Well, they'll pull you out, yeah. So, I mean, they give they have you to something. Pump you out, then how do they get the water out of your lungs? Or well, you... so actually, surprisingly enough, and and I don't, I'm, I won't talk too in-depth on this because I don't know exactly how it works, but right. you'll hold your breath for eight, nine, ten minutes before you take that, you know, big liquid, liquid inhale, right? right. So mm-hmm. you're, but your, but your brain will pass out. So, so uh, drowning is actually a relatively peaceful form of death from what i understand i know for me personally when i pass out underwater you're swimming it's like oh god you know because you're trying to complete the swim and the, the instructors are pummeling you while you do it so you mm-hmm. and i'm like oh i'm almost there and you start and seeing you, that mario you know at the end of the mario game yeah. where it goes, yeah. man it felt like i had a whole can of copenhagen in my mouth got a good buzz <laughs> and you're just seeing that you're just seeing it you're just seeing that that light like, tunnel out like, you start feeling really good like it's really you know, oh yeah because you're the oxygen is being shut off to your brain. It's just like when you get drunk. Well, what it is, it's just a decreased amount of oxygen to your brain, right? Mm-hmm. So you start feeling that that good feeling. Now, the, the point to that point 
it's terrible. It's awful. Right? It's, okay. it's extremely awful. But once you hit that point, your your body starts to to go out. They call it shallow water blackout, you mm-hmm. know. And so you go to blackout, and and you're you're so out. You don't even know when you suck in all the water or whatever. No, really? I mean I didn't it suck in so any water because they they, they yeah. woke me up on the pool deck, slapping you in the face. You know what's your name or whatever. And um, but yeah, you don't when you take that breath in. A buddy of mine drowned in training a couple of years ago. Two buddies actually drowned in training a couple of years ago. Uh, they would they were chaining themselves to the bottom of the pool with on a kettlebell and seeing to increase their breath hold and one of them be on the surface and one of them be down. Well, this guy's chained down and he he goes out. So uh, I'm, I'm trying not to use their names. Right. Uh, like Brett dove down <laughs> to get mm-hmm. the other guy and, and he stayed under too long trying to unhook him oh, to get him off the chain. Geez. And oh, he no. had a shallow water blackout too. Right. Um, the first guy um, was dead. He was dead. They were the East Coast SEAL team at the time. He was dead when they found him. He had he had had water in his lungs, all that stuff. At least right. from what I understand, what, what right. I was told. Uh, the other guy was alive. He was. A, they found him twenty minutes later. Is when they found him. They'd been in the pool for twenty minutes, which means Seth was probably down there for longer. You know, I'm just going off the story that the mm-hmm. guys told yeah, me. I was overseas right. when this yeah. happened. Right. Um, and uh, but yeah. Brett was uh, on life support. He was alive, like a vegetable almost. <laughs> but for brain. a while, mm-hmm. after being in the pool for 20 minutes, give or take, uh, from the story I heard. So all that being said, they died. They drowned, but they didn't they, – they didn't – uh, it was from shallow water blackout is ultimately what created it. One right. of them took a wound up taking a breath of water, and the other the other didn't. So mm. wow, yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, my word. I don't want to do it, but I didn't know that. It's no, yeah. just this was an intense opening. It was very intense. I got to ask though. So like when Jared, because they had to do ocean swims, do they have somebody that follows you? Uh, I mean, yes and no. So they'll have like in. I don't know for the buds experience like what yeah. your husband did. I don't know what they did there. But for us, what they do is they'll, they'll set up a buoy and it's parallel to the shore. So you right. go three, 400 meters off the shoreline, give or take out past the surf zone. Mm-hmm. And you'll swim parallel to the shore to the buoy and back. And it's like for time, it's a two nautical mile ocean swim, you know? And so you'll do one of those a week. So you're not going a mile space. out and a mile back. Now you will do those things. Okay. You, you will do those things, but they'll have boats that kind of, kind of track okay. with the students, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so we, we we do we do that and then the longest we do it's parallel on the shore it's a uh I think it's an eight nautical mile ocean swim so you go down four miles and back four miles and that was that's yeah, terrible yeah it was terrible it might it might be it might be seven nautical miles what is it might again shallow water blackout they, shallow water yeah, blackout that's what I'm doing all, right, all I can think about is do they feed you well when this is done yeah so well one thing you <laughs> eat like, what are we gonna get to eat well no we I mean, eat a lot of rice because you just and, like just are yeah. torching it. Yeah, yeah, rice and donuts, all that stuff. So I would say oh, at rice Bud's, and donuts? rice, donuts, anything heavy, carby stuff, carby stuff, right? Um, and you eat really fast, but when you eat, like there is no, they can't deprive you of, of meals. And the other thing is you're cold. You're always in a constant state yeah. of pre-hypothermia or you're kind of hypothermic state. Uh, so you're burning a lot of calories because you're always just jacking and shivering, right? Um so with that being said, I want to say an average of eight to twelve thousand calories a day, depending on is what you're eating, and you're burning through it. You know, I yeah. mean, it was, yeah, you're you're burning through it. But wow, yeah, you eat a lot. So, is there an average weight loss? 
during that training? Uh, no, actually, probably <laughs> not. Are you going to go do it, Amy? Yeah, Amy's There's a diet plan in this. I think that's so interesting because you're talking about all these things and I'm calculating it and I'm thinking, oh my gosh. Um, and anyway, so not only the food, but I'm thinking surely people come out of that and they're like, Bean poles after no, that. No, I wouldn't but say you're bean probably poles. Probably really strong. Yeah, I wouldn't say bean poles. You know, for because you're you're running so much, you are eating a lot and uh, eating eating relatively good. You you do have the weekends to recover, so it's Monday through Friday. Every now and again, you'll okay. work a weekend, but uh, it, it's hell Monday through Friday. And most time, we get people quit is Monday morning because they're like, "What breaks?" I say men because there's been no women go through training yet. Um, and albeit, I don't think that they will go through training, but when I say men, what breaks a man is the thought of the pain again. It's never the initial like, oh, that looks like it sucks sort of thing. It's like, no, I know it does. Yeah. I don't want to do it again. Mm-hmm. So that's, it's always the, during that time. So dudes will have decided to quit Sunday night, you know, mm-hmm. um, and then Monday morning they quit. So the weekend, having the weekend off actually makes it harder. You know, they go home to their wife, uh, to their yeah. to their kids, whatever. Mm-hmm. I say, it's okay, babe. You don't have to do this. Because, you know, mama sees daddy suffering like this. You, know, right. you don't have to do this. Um, I felt I didn't, I wasn't married at the time when I went through. I was 19. Uh, I felt bad for the guys that were, that were married or had families and, and, and their wives are really strong because they, uh, that was one of the biggest burdens for dudes who had wives, had kids, because when they get home, their wives are like, Hey, you, you don't have to, you don't have to do this. Right. You know, I had a girlfriend at the time and and I broke up with her. She said, Hey, you don't have to do this. You don't, you can just be a, just go to the Navy, be a regular right. sailor. I said, all right, see you later. You know, cause yeah. I've said, this is what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't, it makes it harder when you have a family because they're going through it as well. Right. See me, I went through it by myself. Right. You know, makes, um, Amy Beth, it's like sense. childbirth. Yes. You like, you go through it and you're like, I'm never doing that again. And you're Surprise! like, this is awful. <laughs> yeah. And then you get to Sunday and you're like, okay, I'll go back. I'll do it again. <laughs> true. Yep. It's true. It's exactly like yep, that's it. Listen, <laughs> that's it, yeah. you have it without drugs. I, know, I can't. Did you do that? Did you do no by drugs? Accident with one oh, of my without kids. by accident. But okay. I will. Ne- but you did it. I did. Right. So I, 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 the pain, unbelievable. I invite you. You're to a big the proponent of the block thing. Uh, yeah, that last child that works. Yeah, I was like, and I will take. And you that had no right more now. after that one, right? No. So after the pain, you're like, yep, yeah, we're out. We're one more. We're out. One we're more. done. Uh, but no, I, I can't I can't even wrap my brain around it. But you, you answered that question. You were 19 when you went through it. So I think that's... Makes perfect sense. And we got to take a break and listen to our sponsors. But on the other side of the yeah. break, we're going to uh, talk about Covenant Rescue, human trafficking, some of the things that are going around the world and, and the role you're playing in trying to stop some of that and find out if some of it's happening in Alabama. Anything else before we take a break? Uh, no, I'm exhausted after the stories. Yeah, I'll take a break food. while we take a break. You got it. Okay. What's up, guys? Brian Dawson, CEO of 1819 News here. I want to take a minute to tell you about my good friends over at Centurion Labs. Cold weather is here, and you know what that means. Colds, the flu, and coronaviruses are running rampant. Your immune system needs protection, and that's why I love what my friends over at Centurion Labs are doing. They're always looking for safe, effective, affordable ways to keep you healthy and at your best. Got a cough, sore throat, or a runny nose? You need to check out their Ninja Cough product. You heard me, Ninja Cough. It contains the strongest non-narcotic cough suppressant on the market with no sugar, alcohol, or dyes. So it's safe for everyone, even your kids. Looking to strengthen your immune health, prevent sickness, or fight off the flu, and of course, coronaviruses, 
Defender Immunity Boost is for you. It is an all-in-one immunity booster that combines vitamin C, vitamin D, zinc, copper, and quercetin in just one pill to save you money and help defend your health. Having trouble sleeping? Defender PM is a nighttime immunity booster that will help you get rest and boost your immune health. Now is the time to defend your health, save money, and support a company that shares your Christian values and loves this country. Centurion has dedicated the last 15 years to research and develop safe, effective, and affordable products made in the USA that you can trust. For a limited time, listeners of this podcast can get 20% off their first bottle order when you visit centurionlabs.com forward slash 1819news and use the promo code 1819. That's centurionlabs.com forward slash 1819news with the promo code 1819. Check them out, guys. Welcome back to Alabama Unfiltered. Um, I love hearing from Centurion Labs. We kind of made up a name for him yesterday, but it's Centurion Labs. Centurion. Yes. And you love the Ninja Cough. I do. Have you, you've, you've used it We've for a used while. It. It's magical. You know, as a parent, and do you have kids? Yes, I do. You know, when they have that cough that you're like, if they cough one more time, I, like, I can't handle it. Like you hide from the cough. One of ours had a cough that bad, and that's how we were able to meet. I actually grew up with Brooks, but um, we met, and she handed over some of the ninja cough out of the back of her car. Our kids were very little, and she was like, I promise, because Troy told Chris, I promise this will help that rattly, rattle trap cough, and it did, and we haven't wanted to use anything else since. I'm serious. Fantastic. That. So it works. Centurion Labs, they have lots of great products. They've got the Defender, which I still need to order, a nighttime Defender, and um, the Ninja Cough yeah. <laughs> that will karate chop. That's what I thought. It's true. Any minute. Apparently, ninjas out. can't cough. But go, and there's a discount code, 30% yes. off if you use the code 1819. So go check them out. Um, we're back with Jared Hudson, and we're about to start talking about his human trafficking, anti-human trafficking efforts. There's a difference. Yeah, no, we're not trafficking people. <laughs> <laughs> Here in Alabama and his, um, his work with Covenant Rescue Group. But before we start there, I also need to say he's going to stick around and talk a little bit about um, his run for sheriff in the Alabama Unfiltered Unleashed segment. Mm-hmm. Kind of what he learned would love an outsider's perspective of politics because you were truly an outsider. So if Weren't you, we going to talk about why women shouldn't run for office? Wasn't that one of the things I, you I wanted really to talk about? I really didn't want to punch you, wanted, you in the you throat. To, I thought you wanted to do that. In yeah, the I have a little thing. ninja Yeah, because women okay. should stay okay. at the house. Well, I'm just saying that's what you said earlier. Don't listen to Scott, but you do need to listen to me and go to 1819news.com. That was good. Very and good. sign good. up Allison. to be a member and join the fight because we want to continue to bring you news that is um, to tell the truth. And we can't do that if we start taking money from all the sketchy people around Alabama, right? So we have always said we wanted to be donor-driven. We appreciate you joining us in that fight. You can join on the website. There's different levels, $5 a month, $50 a month. And that gives you exclusive content, Mm -hmm. um, Alabama Unfiltered Unleashed. And actually, I had somebody tell me yesterday... Because I haven't watched it because I'm not a member. I need to sign up. So I don't even know what those segments are like. But she was like, it actually is, it has a different feel. It's much more laid back, which I don't know how you get more laid back. But we kind of say even things because we're not on the YouTubes. That's right. And we've gotten kicked off. We're behind a paywall so we can really say the thing. So join the fight. But we're back with Jared Hudson. And he's going to tell us, because you've always been involved with Covenant Rescue Group, but you just maybe now 
are more involved or uh, your titles changed yeah. or something. Yeah, I can just explain how that started. But real quick, you're going to Don Lemon yourself if you're not careful, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I was sitting there thinking that. What did Don Lemon say? A woman's yeah. out of her prom. All, all, all of our women are definitely in their prime. How's yes. that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was saved. Perfect. Saved. You could be like Donald Trump. I absolutely love women. women. <laughs> you know, the whatever it is. They're perfect. <laughs> you know, whatever awesome. it is. But just, yeah. just don't Don Lemon yourself. It's creepy or wrong. No matter how. Let's just leave that conversation. Yeah, it's just true. Leave that for the, the unfiltered. Is that the, the OnlyFans only fans, uh, only yes. fans page? Yes. 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 This? Is that what that is? Yes. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Take pictures Wait, of your feet. You know, it's right. funny. You yes. said, yeah, our feet. You say fans that because we were going to call it After Dark or After Hours or <laughs> In the Alley. Like, like we just got worse Like we couldn't think worse. of any words. The On the Corner version. I think Brendan came up with Unleashed. So thank you. The Red Light Sorry I derailed that. Yeah, that's really that's the thing, the thoughts are right. going through my mind. you got to laugh before um, you talk about something so dark. So, <laughs> so with, with uh, Covenant Rescue Group, my wife and I actually started that. We've had a, since I got out of the oh, SEAL team. you teams, started it. Mm-hmm, yeah, so I'm the, we're the founder. Uh, we took uh, we took about $40,000 of our own money and just dumped it into it. To start it, had uh, a, a guy working for me at the time, Stan Wiggins, was working for my private company. His wife, Shelly, uh, was really good at getting like, just getting this type of stuff mm-hmm. done and set up. A uh, buddy of mine, Nathan Dye, he owns a plumbing company uh, over in Gardendale, DNM Plumbing. Uh, he's he's uh, mm-hmm. part owner part owner over there uh, with his brother and his dad. And he, somehow with their company, I don't know, I don't remember how it was, or maybe it was his wife, but he got tied to a, a, a girl and I can't remember her name. Who she was a CPA that helped start and run five hundred one c threes. And what drove us to that point was when I got out of SEAL teams, I became a law enforcement officer. I was a Shelby County deputy. Did that for a year. Didn't like full-time policing. Started uh, reserving at Jefferson County Sheriff's Office. Uh, finishing my my MBA and started my business writing prime contracts to the government and then just going around doing contracts and going overseas and doing a lot of work, seeing a lot of human trafficking uh, overseas and working with some OGAs overseas that were dealing with human trafficking. And just had a massive burden, saw massive needs. So then I started doing some stuff on my own uh, with a couple of guys that work with me and people were just giving me money upwards of like $45,000 that I'm running a business and I take it to my CPA and I said, I said, Barry, what do I do? Uh, I got $45,000. Do I invoice for it? How, how do I, how do I take this money? Wait, they mm-hmm. were giving you money to support your yeah. human trafficking yeah, people that knew me people yeah. that not just because you have good hair it was no, not not because <laughs> the hair you know anything like that no they just believed in me they knew that i was uh they knew i was doing the work you know and, and mm-hmm. but i mean i could have taken this money and just gone to hawaii on it or whatever mm-hmm. right so i asked barry i said what do i do you know i don't have an invoice but he said you need to you need to look at starting a, a non-profit if you have people that that believe in you like that and i had other people that wanted to donate even more so i actually did an operation in haiti uh, where we, uh, it was a sting in short, you know, bought a prostitute out of a brothel. It's a little bit different the way it works down there. Had the room set up and everything to where it's recorded and was with an organization. Uh, the OGA was, uh, not the OGA, I'm sorry. The NGO was a, a more OJ, OGA is like Green Berets and stuff, right? I was so, trying to figure all that out. <laughs> um, that, that in, the, the, uh, the nonprofit that was working down there was kind of Mormon based and, me being an evangelical Christian, you know, I'm sitting here thinking, and, you know, sorry if you're a Mormon listening to this, but our difference is not the fact that I'm Baptist and you're a Mormon. We actually believe something that's totally different. Mm-hmm. And so when I hear them share their gospel with this young lady, who is who is 
freshly tilled soil, right? And you see Jesus in the parable of the soils. Well, the soils are us. Mm-hmm. You know, we're not the seed. We're not the sower. The soils are us. And so we see this freshly tilled soil that it doesn't matter what you present to this young lady at this point in time. I, at that moment, Jared Hudson, is in her mind her savior. I'm the one who's got her out. And like, and and so when you're there and you've got the, uh, all the other people in, in the room, because you have to have it set up to best protect you as well. So, you know, uh, so nothing can ever be said. You're always above reproach on any anything like that. Uh, bring her in. You find out that she's being soft trafficked. They're holding her passport. She did come there to, to dance and work to pay for her kid in the Dominican Republic that was with her mm-hmm. parents. She sent her money back, but now she wants to go back, but she can't because they're holding her passport. Terrible story. But she's in the she's in the sex worker field, right? She's a prostitute. Well, they present the gospel to her, but it's not the gospel that I know is the truth. Mm-hmm. Jesus Christ says, "I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me." And and that's where the Lord really laid it on my heart. Who cares if if this girl is saved and lives to be eighty five years old? There'd be plenty of people who listen to this and disagree with me, and I don't really care. But lives to be eighty five years old and she dies and goes to hell because she didn't know Jesus. Right? What have I done? Who cares that she was rescued out of this terrible right. life? What, what does it matter if you fix the problem here if, if eternity is messed up? No, I, it's, I got you. It's, it's symbolism without substance. Right. That's that's what it is. And, and I hate symbolism. I'm killing your chair over here. I'm sorry. <laughs> totally um, fine. Um, the, uh, and so I got back I got back home. I talked with my wife, and and we just took some, some money that we had uh, saved up. We'll take portions of our income and just set it aside an account to you – know, for tithe, for church, for all that. And we took some of that money and started the nonprofit. Uh, Stan working for me, his wife, Shelly, got with the with Nathan Dyes of CPA or however we were tied to her, and they worked and they set up Covenant Rescue Group, and we and we funded it. Now, the one thing I learned early on was, one, you need to, like my CPA that ran my business could not do the nonprofit. It takes like, takes like a special type of CPA or somebody who understands the work. Um, so that was, that was a learning curve for me, even, even with my, you know, small background in business, even having a degree in it, stuff that you never really learn, right? Even with a master's, I never learned how this stuff operates. So I spent a lot of time reading, a lot of time working, a lot of time with Shelly talking, me and Mike and Stan and my wife, Lauren, all of us talking us through what it is, uh, in the state of Alabama, you can have one person on the board. Well, the problem was, is, you know, I'm running my company at the time. So I need, so like, Hey, for instead of one person on the board, it's not going to be me. Uh, cause I can't, right. I'm the CEO and owner of a, this small business. We got a board. So we developed the board and we pick board members based on one, my relationship with them and, and other people on the team's relationship with them and two, kind of what they brought to the table. So we put a board together. And that board's grown since then. And, uh, and and we just started the organization and started operations. People would donate money, and we were kind of a hand-to-mouth organization. We get money in, we do an operation, and then we uh, just kind of sit and wait for money to come in to do another operation. Uh, depending on what the operation was, it could cost anywhere from five grand to, to 50 grand. And uh, with an average of about $35,000 per operation. So what are uh, these operations? Like, how do you well, find out what needs to be done? I have so many questions. Just... Yeah, so and it, it, it's kind of uh, what I just said is kind of a loaded statement because there is so many facets to what can be done. Uh, we primarily worked overseas. Yeah, that's what we we're looking at. Spent time in Haiti. Uh, went down when when Haiti was shutting down, and 
basically came back and said, unless we have, you know, a minimum of, I think it was six and a half million dollars of the budget that we, we outlined, unless we have six and a half million dollars to create country stabilization, I don't know, operations, that's all it'd be, country stabilization operations in Haiti, we're never going to be able to impact the human trafficking piece. Now, there's organizations that are down there impacting the human trafficking piece, but for us, I don't want to just cut the grass, let's kill the grass, right? right and so, right, right, right. Uh, we were working with the president who was assassinated a couple of years ago, right? Uh, it, he was the, the the president. He was the guy we were meeting with when we were down there and without going too much into depth on that and who who else we were tied with with our, our government. Um, we were just trying to get that set up. The Lord just was kind of shutting that down on all mm -hmm. these different ends. And so, and some other countries we worked in, it just, it never, the cost never outweighed the benefit. Like you didn't get a lot of juice for the squeeze. Every now and again, you would, you would go do something, you know, good, but it just wasn't, it was so hard overseas, not because of red tape. The red tape's less to deal with, which is why people work overseas. Um, but the cost to make it happen right. was just too great, at least for an organization our size. Yeah. COVID happened and it kept us from traveling. So I said, all right, guys, well, we're all tied to law enforcement. We do, you know, got a company that, that, teaches for most academies across the nation, you know, let's, let's see what we can do there. And so we refitted on the law enforcement side and started conducting operations with law enforcement, basically taking what they call human trafficking, which is not human trafficking. Actually, HSI's definition tells you it's not Homeland Security tells you it's not human trafficking. Mm -hmm. We, uh, we take, uh, instead of human trafficking, what most of these agencies go after is sex workers. And they okay. call that human trafficking. It's prostitution, right? It doesn't right. mean it's good. It doesn't mean that it's something that we want to allow to continue and that there's not victims involved in it. Mm -hmm. But what it does mean is it's a lot of symbolism without substance. Every sheriff, every attorney general, all these clowns in political world who mm -hmm. don't, who I've, that's was my heartburn with the political world is there are people who talk but have never done anything. That's right. what I learned about right. politics. <laughs> um, with that being said, they talk about it, but what they're actually talking about is prostitution, and they're labeling it human trafficking. Well, HSI says no, that's called sex work. That's right. sex right. workers, and it's not that it's a good thing, but it's different than actually selling or the trafficking of people, right? right. Those two different right. things. And so what we wanted to do is take that law enforcement agency that would label sex work as human trafficking, uh, and really it's just sex trafficking. There's a lot of different levels, and then say, hey— Use this same concept you're using to go after sex workers, except we want to go after people who are buying and selling kids. Mm. Right. Um, and so we are just cutting a tire off the wheel that they already had, and we're putting a new tire on the wheel so they can drive down a different road. That's that's right. all we do. Why would they right. not be doing that? They don't know how. Okay. They don't know how. And leadership level, again, that's part of the reason I ran for sheriff. Most of the time at leadership level, uh, most of our – I would say the vast majority of our leaders within the political realm are uh, self-seeking uh, and they're obtuse to the reality of the world that's going on with everyday people in Jefferson County, everyday people in Alabama, everyday right. Americans. Uh, they're just obtuse to the reality of what's going on. So I don't think it's so much that there's this big nefarious scheme that they're trying to – It's they don't know and, and arguably they don't care. Yeah, Or, they, or they really don't want to know. Or they don't they, want to know. Right, because if they did know, then they might have to actually do something about it. They have to do it. something about yeah, it. We, I mean, right. I, I experienced some of that when we were doing anti-illegal immigration stuff years and years and years ago. And and one of the stories was that a little girl in one of the northern counties in the state, it was like 11 at the time, I'm sure she's grown now, but she had been being sold, bought and sold between families. And it wasn't, as far as I found out, it wasn't a, uh, 
like a, a sex crime kind of thing. She was literally their house slave between yeah. different families. It's, and those kinds of things were going on. And I would tell people, hey, look, you know, the district attorney or whoever told me about this, this is absolutely happening. And legislators would be like, uh, they just they just didn't want to know because if they knew that, mm-hmm. they would have to act. And, it's and, funny. And it's your funny stories you say, are probably worse. Well, and it's funny you say that because there's 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 two sides to that coin, I guess. One, the vast majority of your trafficking is labor trafficking. That's the vast mm-hmm. majority of it. So okay. anybody who, and I tell my buddies that are contractors, they get mad at me all the time. There's the, there's some of the largest groups of traffickers, especially with illegal immigration being the way it is. I go down to Lorna Road and pick up a bunch of illegal immigrants, a bunch of Mexicans down off Lorna Road to come work for them, and they'll mm-hmm. pay them less money than they would have to pay uh, a person who's an, an American, right? right. Uh, who's a, a, an actual citizen, not a not an illegal immigrant. That is trafficking. That is that mm-hmm. is human trafficking. At its at, is at that its, illegal? Well, yeah. I mean, it's illegal to hire an illegal immigrant. I mean, any, with my company, anytime I fill something out, I have to show that I don't hire illegal immigrants. Well, mm-hmm. then us as the consumer, right? We'll go with the guy who's going to build our house the cheapest. Well, he's mm-hmm. buying a bunch of a uh, gotten a bunch of illegal immigrants working on the house as opposed to paying this guy who's thirty or forty or fifty thousand dollars more. But I got a buddy who runs. Uh, uh, hand landscaping, and he refuses mm-hmm. to hire illegal immigrants. Yeah. Now, he costs right. a good bit more right. than most people, but he does things on the up and up. Does that right. make sense? And mm-hmm. so what we commonly see is labor trafficking being the primary form of it. Mm-hmm. But even with kids being, you're talking about being sold between families, the reason law enforcement don't pick up on it as much is because it's domestic in nature. It's mothers, it's fathers, mm-hmm. it's aunts, it's uncles. It's a caretaker of some kind. It's a foster parent. It's somebody that this child views as a guardian or a caretaker. It's somebody that the state might view as a guardian or caretaker, and they're selling uh, these kids, whether it be for sex, whether it be for labor, like mm-hmm. what you were seeing, um, whether it be for uh, – there's an endless list of mm-hmm. things that people can be sold for. Right. And what it is you take somebody who's weak – and you prey upon that weakness, and you victimize that weakness. So again, to upset all the contractors in the area that listen to this, everybody who builds a house around here, if you're going down to Lorna Road and getting a bunch of illegal immigrants because it's saving you money, you're actually preying upon weak people to further your business. That's what you're doing, and that's human trafficking. And so yeah, that rubs people the wrong way, but you know, whatever. Well, Steve right. Marshall, we um, interviewed him, I guess, two weeks ago. If you haven't watched it, go back and watch it. But what my takeaway from him, we he, a majority of our interview was about human trafficking in Alabama and what his office is doing. But it just kind of I did a paradigm shift that it looks more like grooming, less like kidnapping or abduction. You know, it's very no, it's, much like this person's vulnerable, a, a savior, someone they trust mm-hmm. comes in. And you just kind of that's hundred percent what it is. Yeah. I wouldn't even say yeah. that it is kidnapping. Look at the little girl, the the, the cupcake girl that was found, yes, was captured, yeah. captured and killed. Right, she was kidnapped and killed. Most of the time, when you see kidnapping, generally speaking, they're killed. Uh, generally speaking, your kidnapping is there's a, some sort of I hate to say crime of passion, but you know you, there's there's an Emotion. emotional tie mm-hmm. to it, right? It's right. not a it's it's not what we think like what you see in the movie Taken, right? Yeah, you, know, you mm-hmm. see that overseas. Yeah. You see that mm-hmm. overseas, mm-hmm. but you. Uh, you don't see that here as much. You see what you just mentioned, grooming. I'll give you a, a real-world story. We're working in uh, Michigan. I can't even remember what county we're in, but either way, it don't matter. Genesee County, actually. Um, we're working in Genesee County, Michigan. My, one of my guys that works with me, Mike Rebels, he's actually the director of operations for for CRG. I'll, I, I'll I get around to CRG. Uh-huh. Oh, he's probably with me. He, mm-hmm. He's worked for me. Okay. and. 
his brother's a builder in the area, Chris Rebels. A lot of people know oh, Chris. Yeah. Yes. yeah. So that's the Mike yes. is his older brother. Um, so Mike, I've known Mike for a long time. He was my sergeant at Shelby County when I went over there. And then I left. And then Mike left. He wound up retiring out of law enforcement. He works with me full time now, both on the uh, training company and, and with CRG. So he found uh, we're, we're looking for at-risk people or girls and, and guys, for that matter, the kids mm-hmm. that have been uh, that are missing, right? Mm-hmm. And so he goes to this house, and long story short, it's a cage in the backyard. He kind of goes back. There's a little marijuana grow going. He's looking at it, and he says, uh, and he sees a girl in, in a cage. She's locked in a cage in the backyard, probably, you know, a, a teenage girl, 15, 16 mm-hmm. years old. And it was the girl that they were looking for. Her name was Isabella, if I remember right. And he says, uh, he says, Isabella, and he, she would she would look at him. And this is him telling a story. I wasn't there. I was at the same operation looking for somebody else. But he's telling the story. Well, this she's she's scared. She, he's like, hey, I can see you. Unlock the door and come out. So they wound up getting her out. This girl's mom and stepdad who was living in Texas, and they were in jail. And from what I understand, they sexually abused her, her mother and her stepdad. Or maybe it was her stepdad did and her mother allowed it, but she was sexually abused on that one side of her family. Her father and her brother lived in this area of Michigan that was up there about two miles away from where she was captured at in a cage. And they they didn't sexually abuse her, from what I understand. Uh, They just physically abused her, like put cigarettes out on her and stuff like that. Physically abused her. So she runs away. Now this is what this is her family. This is who she has. Mm-hmm. She gets picked up by this this kid, this little you know uh, kid slinging dope or whatever, 22, 23 year old little punk slinging dope, and and she's his living girlfriend. And then he starts selling her to his buddies for sex, and now she's being sold for sex. So now here's the here's the thing: of all three of those situations, and then the state, you got the state. Anybody's been in the state system, you know, as a as a child, will tell you it's not a good thing. So I guess there's four options. Mm-hmm. State owns her, her parents in Texas own her, which didn't sound very good. Her dad and her brother up there own her like she's and when I say own ownership, I'm talking about more guardianship, right? right? But right, I mean that's right. who takes care of her. Right. She and she was 15 when she ran away. She's 16 now. She's been in this process for about a year. Right. Uh or this this living boyfriend who arguably probably treats her better than any of the others who's selling her, selling her to his buddy. So I mean, of all the options, what's the best option? It's kind of a there is no good option for her. And oftentimes that's what we see. It's it's impoverished communities. It's parents who don't parent properly or appropriately. It's almost always tied to drugs and alcohol usage. Uh-huh. Um, you just look at it and it's and it's unbelievably sad. What do you do about it? How do you kill that grass? You know, cutting the grass is rescuing her, getting her out of it. it, it but then then what? Where does she go? She goes to the state. Like if we deal with that in the state of Alabama, you gotta call DHR. Yeah. You know, and and DHR I think does the best they can, but it's it's like when we went to it's Afghanistan. You could be put, and she could be put back in the same kind of situation again. Oh, one hundred percent. It's it's like when we went to Afghanistan. This this SES level FBI guy looked at me and said, uh, he said, hey, these guys are saying this is a great plan. What you're what you're planning on doing? And so I'm sitting in this skiff meeting with them, and I said, ah, it's not that good of a plan, fellas. And he said, it's the best of the worst plans. And that's kind of the same situation you have here. Mm-hmm. What's the best of the worst situations? Because they're all still bad. So sitting down with our board, uh, when I sat down with our board and meet, they're like, "Hey, is there, can, can we can we show the reuniting with a family?" And I'm like, "You know what? No, this is not. This is not what's happening. Right. This she goes back to a crappy situation. She gets some medical care, but she was arguably by choice in the best situation she could have been in, even though she was in a cage. 
even though she was in a cage during the day. And then the reason the boyfriend locked her back there is so if inevitably a, a drug dealer, a, you know, a, came by the house. Well, a, somebody that was, you know, not on his side, you know, whatever, an enemy comes by the house while he's gone. Or if the police come by, she's hidden in the back, she's out of sight. So that was the way of protecting her, right? Goodness so what gracious. does do you follow up? Do you know where is she? Uh, what happens? No, I don't know. I don't. I know that the state, the state of Michigan, uh, from my understanding, took her because she was mission out, missing out of the state of Michigan system. Like they'd have to follow up with this this young lady. So I don't know. I don't know. Um, wow. It's. I mean, it's you can't uh, you can't save the world, which is you know which is sad enough and bad enough. And you see a lot of this type of stuff going on. You can't mm -hmm. fix it all, mm -hmm. but you can do the, the best you can. And the biggest thing is, is you start if you create a deterrent to where people don't do this. You've created a deterrent where parents don't do this. Then at the same time, how much government do you want to allow in or how much of this outside force do you want to allow into parents' lives? What really bothers me is when you see how the government goes after parents who are just trying to make the best decision right. for their kids on school, right. but they won't go after parents who have been doing you know heroin right. and meth and selling their kids. Right. So again, we get a lot of symbolism without right. substance. So if Steve Marshall was sitting in here, that's what I'd ask him. What mm -hmm. are you doing to make sure at right. the state level, the government's not overreaching on parents right. who are trying to come up with school mm -hmm. choice, people who are upset about uh, election issues, right? Fraudulent right. election stuff. People who are upset about things we should be upset about and spend your time and effort going after right, real right. bad guys. I remember a meeting with a DHR person. I don't remember who it was years and years ago. And I was I was pointing out, I said, look, you know, this may not be fair. I said, but this is my perception of what y'all do at the state level. You got you got mom or dad over here who are on drugs and crack and putting cigarettes out on their child. Mm -hmm. And you were spending every resource possible to reunite that child with mom. Yes. And then this family over here spanked their kid in the grocery store, and y'all are trying to prosecute them. Yes. Mm -hmm. And, and it says so it's the exact same kind of thing. Now, I'm not saying that's across the board, but that's the feel. And the reason yes. we all have that feel is because a lot of it. It's well, real. we've the way seen it. Is. it. Yeah, yes. well, we, we've seen it, you know, and it's right. it's like, uh, you know, my, my, my honest opinion is what's it? Romans says it, you know, claiming they're wise, they became fools as a Christian. That's mm -hmm. what claiming you're wise, you become fool, fools. And our government oftentimes is extremely foolish in what it chooses, um, whether it be at the political level, whether it be the red tape that exists within the bureaucracy itself. Uh, it, they're, they're very foolish with what they choose to deal with. And I would argue that if you want to start fixing the problem, you stop labeling it as something that you can elevate yourself with or win your next political campaign with or whatever. Because mm -hmm. I didn't talk during my campaign. I didn't talk a single bit. Very rarely, I guess, unless asked, did I talk about Covenant Rescue? I mean, some of y'all heard me. Right. Mm -hmm. Allison, you were probably at more things than I was. Did I talk yeah, about it much? No, you didn't. And I was always disappointed. The but only I the reason point. that I did not, uh, uh, Mike went down, did an operation uh, with the state and made five arrests. Mm -hmm. Guys showing up to have sex with little boys and, and, and little girls. Mm -hmm. Um, they made five arrests. All five of those cases, to my knowledge, are, have gone federal. The U.S. attorneys picked them up, so they've gone federal, and they have state charges. It's an excellent operation, excellent cases, and people are saying, hey, you make this political. I 100% will not use that uh, as a political tool uh, to, to get me elected or not. Who, who gives right. a crap about that? Uh, because it puts the it puts the men and women that do that job at risk. Number one, mm -hmm. and number two, it takes away from the reality of what it is. Because if it's a political playing ship, it's really not that big of a deal, right. um, in, in my opinion. So that's why I didn't talk about it a whole lot. Mm -hmm. But that's what these these I say guys, these guys and girls. That's what these politicians. That's what these leaders in quotation marks right. do. They use it as a talking point. They know nothing about it. 
They've never they've never seen a girl in a cage. Right. Uh, or they won't even try to find out about it. No, yeah, that's the and and they'll give you a lot of talking around. Mm-hmm. But what they'll do is they'll go after people who aren't really doing much, like you talked about. That's mm-hmm. what I've seen. The person who spanks their kid in the grocery store, mm-hmm. they're going to go after them, or the person who doesn't want their kid to be taught by a transgender teacher that you know transgenderism is okay. All this weird right. crap. Right. Uh, but this heroin addict over here. And every cop in Jefferson County can tell you what heroin does. You know, mm-hmm. this heroin addict over here, this fentanyl addict that uh, has fentanyl in her purse, they they're trying to reunite their kids with them. It's yes. it's it's, it's absolutely sense. insane, and that's where human trafficking thrives. Beyond sex work, that's where mm-hmm. human human trafficking really really thrives. So, with the organization in a nutshell, we do three things now: um, three types of operations. One, we have stings. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we go get partner with law enforcement to either infiltrate uh, the consumers. So we're going to basically see y'all seen uh, Chris Hansen to, to catch a predator mm-hmm. thing. Right. So we call it the kidnapper predator because they're not just going to put them on camera. They show up, we snatch them, we arrest them, we hook them up mm-hmm. and they're going to get prosecuted. So uh, that's one sting. If it turns into a reverse sting where we can flip somebody or get information of somebody selling kids, we'll go as a, as a UC or somebody will go as a UC, whether wired up, running cell phone, whatever, and we'll buy a kid, right, or try to buy a kid. And then the agency, and we partner with law enforcement on those. Excuse me. We partner with law enforcement on those, and uh, that's that's an arrest right there. And you actually save a kid, albeit what does it look like? Who knows? But right. you save a kid, and most of the time it is an aunt, an uncle, a mother, a father, step-parent. It's somebody Seven. who's a guardian that's selling the kid. And then uh, – on the on the other side, we have rescue. So we're partnered with Wellhouse Trafficking Hope uh, as the, their aftercare type organizations, where we try to uh, effectively and securely, outside of law enforcement, we're not looking for any criminal activity, get uh, ladies in the sex worker field, not so much human trafficking, mm-hmm. sex worker field, in front of the advocates mm-hmm. at Trafficking Hope uh, to to be able to talk to these ladies, give them spiritual, mental, emotional. Uh, medical, all these things that that we can't do. I can barely do it. I've got three kids. I got three girls right. and a wife. I can barely do it with my three girls, much less another one coming out of sex work. <laughs> right, right. right. Um, so I, the uh, the point is, is these ladies, this is what they're good at. Yes. They they can do this, and so they they talk with them. The only time we put our law enforcement hat on in a rescue is if kids involved. If kids involved, we have to um, we have to put our law enforcement hat on, and then work with the local agency. So those are the three things we do in the constant investigations. We're always doing investigations with our tools uh, that we have at our disposal as law enforcement and then as open source, which is called OSINT. We just investigate to target people who are, whether it's ICAC or whether it's actual trafficking. Very good. Well, thanks a lot. Wait. We got to do the next segment. No, I have one more question. Don't you want to save it? Yes, no. People, people want to hear oh this my gosh, question. Scott, no, this is good. You have okay. to ask this. This better be really good. Okay, it better is. be good. Okay. Okay, how can we help you? Help uh, me help you. Help me like, help you. Yeah, you, so uh, since, you, since you pulled a quote from that movie, show, show me the money. We do have a lot of donors that, that provide a lot of support. Uh, garnered a lot from this area, mm-hmm. from the campaign that wanted to learn more about what we do and get involved. Um, but the biggest thing is is the cost. So CRG hired me. I'm the founder, started it. Mm-hmm. We've just been going hand to mouth. Well, this year we had some donors come from the campaign that allowed them to bring me in full-time as the executive director. Okay. Mike Rebel's full-time as the director That's of operations. Awesome. And, but where do they go to find out how to get to you? 
Oh, website? Covenant, Res- CovenantRescue.org. Mm-hmm. Covenant CovenantRescue.org. Covenant Rescue. We'll put that in show notes, too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you can read what we're doing, and we're going to start. I sent you a, the newsletter that they're starting to do uh, just to show once a month what we're doing operationally so you can keep track of yeah. what we're doing. Hey, we got this many arrests, or we've you know rescued this many, or whatever it is. And you can subscribe to that on... If, like, if, it, if they reach out and send us a message, hey, just on the website, send a note. Hey, I wanted. Uh, I want the the newsletter. Update, yeah. yeah, so okay. they get their email, and it will go out to the email every month, Absolutely. and then also be on our social media. Okay, good deal. That's very good. All right, I get fired up. I love you this. I think it's good. I mean, I can't do it, and actually, I was telling you, I have a hard time thinking about it because we all have kids, and it just like I could cry. But it's something that we have to talk about, and it is becoming more and more prevalent right. and more and more common. You know, we live in North Shelby County, but it's there. It is there. Mm-hmm. You think it's not, but it is. Well, as, as society unravels and, and drugs and lack of morality and yeah, lack of just, Christianity, I mean, every, it's just going to get worse and worse and worse. And and not everybody can do it, but Jared and them can and are, so we need to support them. Thank Absolutely. you for what you're doing. Yeah, thank yep, you. Thank and you. Uh, for all of you watching, don't forget we got Alabama Unfiltered Unleashed, which is extra if they do what? They have to join the fight and uh, go to 1819news.com and uh, become a member and support what we're doing because we're trying to stay independent and we appreciate you for doing it. So those of you who can stick with us for that part and everybody else. How much is it? How much is Alabama unfiltered, the unleashed? Well, you can give $5 a month. You can give $10 a month. You can give $18 and 19 cents a month to $50 and then up to $50. So there's different levels. There's different levels. So you can even do it for five dollars. You can do it for five dollars a month. That's dang near free, folks. Yeah, it is. (laughs) Dang near. But I'm like, you know what? If if ten thousand people give five dollars a month, that's fifty thousand dollars. We can take the show on the road. We, we can so go on a rescue. If you tell well, no, people that you're going to be out and about, if we raise, but we can money. report about it. But we could report. We can report about, about the rescue. We can report about it. Or give us money, and we'll keep Allison here. That would might. Or people may get pay rid for of that. Hire somebody better. Is <laughs> That's I think not what true. Means. No, it's not. So anyway, thank y'all for watching. Tell other people about the program. Make sure you uh, sign up for all the podcasts, and uh, we'll catch you next time. See y'all.